0: Welcome to a, a very special new series and episode from Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan.
1: And I'm Jesse. We are gonna be crowing at you with some big
0: dad energy. The the biggest. Um if if anyone has seen that film Um Unhinged, where Russell Crowe is in that, he's taking up all of the screen. Like every shot he's in, it's about 80% of him because he's so big. Because finally his physical form has matched his interior. And we can talk about this because of course. This is a new series that we're starting, and we are calling it the Chronological Crow series. Now, this might confuse people, saying, like, why are you starting this with uh, this movie that I see the title of? It's Noah. Um, Why are you starting it with this movie? This takes place in in 2014. This is not at the beginning of his career. That is true. However, we are not going from the beginning of Russell Crowe's career. We are going back in time. And the movies that we cover from Russell Crowe on this series will be from the beginning all the way to the end of time. So this takes place, obviously, in the early before days of the BCE era. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah, what we're... is it like? A thousand BC. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it, it's it's like 5,000. That's when
0: the pyramids were made. made. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Nice. Okay. Yeah.
0: Twenty thousand BC.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some 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 before time. We looked through his his filmography and we found the movies that we wanted to cover and we just traced them up through the years. So this one takes place a long time ago at the beginning of the Earth, in a galaxy right here. In a galaxy right here, yeah. And <laughs> the next, as the movies go on, we will be proceeding in chronological order in the universe of the movies we're covering. Right. That's the conceit. Well, of it's, this like, it's like it's like the the
2: chronology of of time. Yes. Like the time that we live in. In the movies, but like like the movies that he did in order. Yes. Of but... time, like of the of when the... you're making this much more confusing. <laughs> Also,
1: correction: the pyramids were built in approximately 2500 BC. So, oh,
0: yeah, Jesse, you moron, how did you not know that before? I know, I know.
1: <laughs> but fun fact: we are closer to Julius Caesar than Julius Caesar was to the pyramids.
2: That's crazy. That's wild. In That's <laughs> insanity.
3: Yeah, they're they were built way back when. So, anyway, fun
1: fact of the day. Fun fact over. <laughs>
3: I I like thinking of this chronological crow idea almost like if you've seen the fountain where, you know, characters come back every certain number of centuries or every, you know, few hundred years. And, uh, and they keep coming back as the same person as kind of like a reincarnation thing. I feel like that's kind of how we're doing Russell Crowe's. He was Noah. And then he was, you know, the next guy in the next millennia, or he was the next guy in a few hundred years from then. I was looking at in the internet to see if there was like a fan theory about this, but there's not. So I need to write that fan theory, but I, yeah, I feel
0: like this takes a really weird turn around, you know, the French revolution, like, you know, Maximus and Noah actually is a singing police officer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that that's all to say, this is the, the first movie in our chronological crow series. It is Noah from 2014. Um, Brought to us by and Darren also 4,000 BC. Also 4,000, 5,000, 6,000. When, whenever it was. They just BC. said it was a long, it was so long ago that there's fucking rock angels. Right? Yeah, there's rock <laughs> angels. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, oh, and then just a quick little, two two pieces of housekeeping before we continue on. I will not be on for the next uh, several weeks, but I'm more than happy to hand these reins over to you guys. You know what you're doing. Uh, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about the next two Crow movies Um, I think they'll be pretty big, and I think people will be excited to hear it. So there's that. And then uh, the second thing I wanted to mention is that we just recently launched a Patreon, in case people don't know this. You can find us there at Not Your Father's Movies. We have linked to it in a couple different places. We're going to be pushing this a little bit harder. We have several different tiers to choose from. The highest tier, uh, over a long enough period of you being subscribed, could get you a t-shirt, a mug, some other cool swag. You get to have a weigh-in on some episodes. But a more affordable tier at $5 a month will get you our monthly What's up, episode that we're going to start putting out for people to hear. That's where you will find our What's Up segment in a mega format, um, expanded across a whole episode for you to enjoy.
1: And if you pledge at the top two tiers, you get a shout out. So, Sir Woods, thanks <laughs> for supporting us. Yes. Yes, we made sir. a whole tier for you.
0: <laughs> we did, we did, sir. Uh, lovely, lovely man, great friend, amazing collaborator. Just the, the a gold mine of a human being, even if he likes Jared Leto, just too <laughs> <That's> much. <smartly laughs> huge amount. Uh, but of course, shouting him out here. You can also find stuff that he's done at the My Movie Fix podcast. Uh, we've collaborated with him plenty of times. You can find him there. Um, or you can find him over at Sirs Furniture, S-I-R-R, apostrophe S, Furniture. You'll be hearing more about that uh, in a little ad. We're going to start running a little bit, a couple of ads. I got an ad. Yeah. Wow. We'll hear about that a little bit later. All right. Diving into what we got here, guys. Noah from 2014, uh, written and directed uh, by Darren Aronofsky with co-writer Ari Handel. Do you have anything that you want to tell us about Ari Handel, Mike? Yeah, yeah.
2: He um, he was actually Darren Aronofsky's roommate at Harvard, I believe. And he's also a neuroscientist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just wild. Um, he, Which one's uh, the, he... hobby, yeah, is the yeah. hobby? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he... Co-wrote the uh, the Fountain as well, and has produced most of uh, of Darren Aronofsky's movies, um, along with Darren.
0: Right, um,
2: who's a real like creative force
0: of him of his own. He's always a yeah. writer. He's always a director. He's always a producer. Yeah, yeah. He's, but he's, so they're buddies and they
2: work together quite a bit,
0: um, which is really cool. Yeah, I feel like every a lot of these um, from this kind of school of, of indie filmmakers who rose to prominence and have become. Respected art house filmmakers, right? I'm thinking um, of like Robert Eggers. I'm thinking even of Christopher Nolan, who started out in yeah. a very artistic space. Um, they always had a, a close collaborator that they worked with, sometimes many. I mean, we talked about this when we did Scorsese's Gangsters. Like Scorsese's guy got, yeah. got his crew. Yeah. And he just rolls with his crew. Um, seems to be the the good way to make things. They're just usually not neuroscientists. This is true. Yeah. Like that's that's just wild. But, if, actually, if but it make, makes sense. If you look over at the, the Blank Check podcast recently, did a, 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 a deep dive on Sam Raimi. And Sam Raimi's brother, he has two brothers, Ted and Ivan. And Ted is a doctor. Um, Ted is also like a co-writer on a lot of his stuff and is usually an actor who gets layered under lots and lots of makeup. So in Evil Dead 2, he's the evil old woman witch who's in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. Sometimes doctors, they just want to play. Yeah, I (laughs) guess so.
2: They're just like Um, us.
0: Oh, docs just want to have fun. Um.
3: (laughs) It also makes me realize if I want one of my kids to get into movies, I just need to name them Ari because Ari Handel and Ari Aster are the only two people I've ever heard with that first name. And they're both amazing with
0: movies. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have messed up already with two kids. I had two shots. <laughs> <laughs> but then to our main event, this is Russell Crowe. Okay. We're going to be talking a lot about Mr. Crowe in in depth because that's this series is about this man we want to focus on him as a dad actor is he cantankerous yes is is occasionally gruff and violent in real life also yes and in the movies and in the movies yeah the off-screen on-screen personas do not seem to be that dissimilar sometimes (laughs) i would expect nothing less (laughs) exactly he is uh he's a cranky australian man uh, who has a lot of talent and uh has his fingers in a lot of pies and we'll be diving into him as we go along. But this also starts Jennifer Connelly. I mean, everyone I think knows Jennifer Connelly. And if you don't, uh, you might remember. I, I remember the first time I saw her was in Ang Lee's Hulk movie. from way Back 2003. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was like the first time. And, uh, I I was in love. (laughs) This is her second time playing
2: Russell Crowe's wife. Actually, oh, was she was time? in A Beautiful Mind. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, which yeah. she
0: won an Oscar for, right? He did. He yeah. did. Weird, weird that that's the one. But okay. Uh, we also have uh, Ray Winstone here as um who has been on previously. Tubal Cain. Tubal I'm thinking more wrong. <laughs> <than Batman. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <That's> Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry, Tubal Uh Yeah. Uh, who, if you remember, was on The Departed? Yeah. Frenchie, right? Jack Nicholson's right-hand man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has he been in another episode we've done?
2: No, but the fact that he's in two means that he's been on this podcast more than Russell Crowe. Which is kind of surprising, right?
1: Well, yeah, we were saving a whole series for Crowe, and here we are, Crowing about Crowe.
3: Crowing about (laughs) Crowe. Yeah, are you going to do a Ray Winston series? I doubt it. (laughs) Is, he's it got he's me thinking so- about it
0: now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's a uh, he's the main guy in the Sopranos, right? That's is, James is, Gandolfini. Oh, okay. I for um, some reason i i i saw his face.
2: In, no, he's uh, just like
0: a heavy. He's a big. He's a big he, dude. He's yeah. a he- but, and he plays the heavy, except in Beowulf. Remember, I have where not he, seen Beowulf. where he was the the mocap and the voice for Beowulf, <laughs> which is really surprising. <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, we also got here joined again by the lovely Sir Anthony Hopkins. We've discussed before. Uh, always a pleasure to see him, and he looks like he's having just the time of his life here. Yeah, playing um, Methuselah. Yeah, the oldest man ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have Logan Lerman, hmm. um, who I, I I said to my wife, I was like, is there is there more is there a more typecast actor for being like a baby in things than Logan Lerman. (laughs) He's also appeared in 310 to Yuma where he plays the exact same character. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an angry baby. What what is it with this guy?
2: Oh, wait, Russell Crowe was in 310 to Yuma. That's right. That's right. That
0: was stupid of us. Yeah. How did I forget that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. He was totally in there. I remember him. We did that twice. Mm -hmm. We We
2: did did that twice. twice. (laughs) I forgot. Jesse,
0: you
1: should have caught that. That was your movie. I, I showed up. I forgot. Yeah. I, I wasn't on the 310 to you episode, so I forgot we covered it. That's
0: right. Yeah, it was weird that we did that. Why are we doing this? Time's a flat circle. Um, moving on, we have Emma Watson here also for her first time on this show. Yeah. Um, until we do all the Harry Potters, which yeah. will come eventually. Kinda happen.
1: Sure. Yeah, she'll be on eight more times. If, yeah, let's pass over her.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
2: um, and then, Mike, do you want to read these last two? The guy who plays Shem, who's really a wet blanket, and McNulty, <laughs> who is one of the Nephilim. As is Mark Margolis, who played Tio Hector Salamanca in Breaking Bad, which is cool. And he has actually been in most of Aronofsky's movies. You which see, is the reason weird. I
0: didn't recognize the voice of of Hector is because he doesn't talk yeah. <laughs> in Breaking Bad. He just rings a bell really yeah. aggressively. Like, it doesn't sound like Hector.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> well, he talks yeah. a lot in Better Call Saul. Oh,
3: yeah, oh, he yeah. does talk. But he's got a face. It's like his face is what sticks out to me. Yeah,
1: it moves so much. So it's weird to not see his face and just hear the voice because, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was him.
0: Shout out to uh, my wife who was like, is that Nick Nolte? I was like, no, it's not Nick Nolte because it immediately switched to a different rock monster who also yeah. had a gravelly voice. But now, as I'm seeing in our Google Doc, she was totally right. So, yeah. Jill, when you hear this, you you were spot on. I don't know how you know Nick Nolte's voice better than I do, but but great job. Great job. <laughs> Um, All right, going on over to our nostalgia first impressions. Uh, Dan, how about actually how about we start with you as someone who so Mike and I are going to kind of share a tandem one with Jesse here. The three. How about you tell us about what your first impressions are? So I I just saw this
3: a couple days ago for the first time. I had kind of put off seeing it. Um, A lot of my friends and family when this first came out, they were not really into it. I had some friends that went and saw it and were I think they were expecting to go see a movie about Noah and they didn't know who Darren Aronofsky was. And I think that's a bad combination going into this movie. Um, If you are not expecting something a bit surreal something a bit melodramatic and you're going into an Aronofsky, it's never going to be a good outcome. Um, So I had kind of a bad, let's say expectation about this movie. And then when, uh, You know, Vito recommended it for the for this series and everybody was like right on board with it. I was like, hey, I'm I'm going to give this a shot. I I hadn't really heard about the movie in quite some time. So, yeah,
1: it's a series that you came up with, too. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I was like, I want to do Russell Crowe. And then you guys were like, Noah. And I was like, oh, okay."
2: (laughs) I uh, (laughs) I guess we're doing Noah.
0: (laughs) Um, Can you say that one more time? I guess we're doing Noah. Oh, okay. I thought you're making a Noah pun and I wanted to hear it, but okay. Oh, he Noah. wanted to know about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
3: there we go. Uh, yeah, no. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. I I'm always up for, obviously I know Aronofsky's stuff. I've actually seen most of his stuff at this point. Uh, so this was the one that was just hanging on that list of, I need to watch this for him. And then, yeah, I'm always down for more Russell Crowe in my life. So this was I was I was primed to see this when I did. And and definitely I I enjoyed it. I I really, really liked some things about it. There were some series, some scenes that were amazing. And I know that like in three years, those scenes are going to be what I remember and what stand out in my brain. And I'll probably I I I will definitely go back to this movie in the future, maybe even as like a intro to Aronofsky it might be a good like you tell someone who Aronofsky is the kind of weird stuff he does and this might be a good like introduction because it's weird but it's like you know it's not mother it's not like it's <laughs> black not swan. so surreal it's not black swan yeah it's not so psychological it's still enjoyable there's still like a kind of like an action-packed time in there there's a lot of the fantastical stuff that, I mean yeah rock rock angels so that's That's kind of how I'm seeing this is like, it's a really cool Aronofsky intro movie.
0: And uh, yeah, I had a great time with it. Nice, nice. Um, So for the three of us, uh, just for the listener, I'm sure you already know this, but if this is your first time listening to the show, um, Dan is a good friend of ours. But Mike, Jesse and I all went to the same college and that's where we all met. And we went to go see this movie, I, I, I believe. I mean, this was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but we went to see it in theaters, I believe all together with several friends of the pod. And um, at the time I had just started dating my wife like a month
2: prior, maybe. Probably. And I had just broken up with my wife like a week prior, but we were still friends. So it was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then this she one had
2: broken up with me. We dated for a day. Yeah. At that time. I feel like you can't use those terms in that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You can't, but, but I won in the end. You she did. Me. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> you guys went out for a day and then broke up for a day? That, that <clears> is drama <throat> that I just totally forgot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really drama. We were just like, this is kind of weird. Uh, we started dating. I was like, so will you be my girlfriend? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, weird. Like, let's go back to being friends. She's like,
0: yeah. Do
1: you Do want we to go son? see Noah?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> actually, that that's the part of the story that knowing mary claire is actually not weird right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but jesse you and you and liz i mean past guest and future guest liz um how, how long have you guys been together at this point uh uh
1: <laughs> nine
0: years no no nine no years? at the noah point at the noah point
2: oh a um, couple months <laughs> yeah okay, we're so we... two
0: months so we were all. Oh wow! Really? Wait, really? really?
2: No, because this was this was senior year.
0: Oh, all right, a year, a year and two months. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we months. didn't all we didn't all start dating at the same time. Um, okay, so we're all going to see this. We all have young relationships. Uh, but this movie, like, I remember walking out and being kind of floored and not really knowing what to do. I remember being. I think I was. Was I like twenty one? I think. And not having experienced anything that, like this or maybe feel like this. Uh, it, this was a, so early on in dating my wife. I think we've gone on like four dates together. And there was a sequence in this movie, one of the, the, the fall of Abel um, by the hand of Cain. And it's when it's when the, the hand is going up and you see that the shapes, the shadows of the people change into all the different kinds of people throughout time. Mm-hmm. And that, for some reason, like broke me. And I remember I remember sobbing. In the theater, um, like ugly crying, <laughs> I remember my wife turning, you know, just my girlfriend of one month turning and kind of like looking at me like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> and I remember just being like, oh, oh my, the pain of humans.
2: <laughs> uh, I was very
0: sensitive. I um, am very sensitive. <laughs> and. Uh, that just it just impressed upon me so much. And I love being able to share that uh, with you guys. And I remember what I chiefly remember about this movie is that sequence and about kind of coming together with you guys after it and hearing kind of knowing that this movie was going to be really controversial and us getting in on kind of the ground floor of it and being like, what do we make of this? Yeah, hmm. um, Jesse, what was it like for you?
1: I remember really liking it. Like I remember not going in with the, so I went in with the proper expectation for this movie, I think, which was knowing this is going to be really weird and kind of out there and not the story of a guy who's being like oppressed by society for making a giant boat and then rainbows at the end. Like I knew that's not what it was going to be, but I think that's what most people were expecting. And instead I, I found this story of this guy and you know, like, I guess I found like some of my, my faith in God in here too. Like some of my struggles, right? Like you can't hear God sometimes, but, it, uh, and here's a guy who who is trying to figure out the right thing. The biggest thing in the biggest moment of of human history, which is a, there's an apocalypse happening. The world's ending and God's not really talking to you. And he's being really unclear. So what do you do? and, and he's making the wrong choices that it seemed pretty clear as the audience like, "No, that's the wrong choice dude you you don't do that like making the right choices sometimes making the wrong choices at others because he's trying to figure it out on his own um and i I fell in love with that struggle like i I really relate to Noah in a scary way that that was that was hard to acknowledge at first yeah, yeah, and i and I really fell into like this whole. Like how how different the world is, like the stars are different, and you know they're rock monsters and these this crazy stuff that you mine for that like blows up and like is fireworks too. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I really like that, and I, I like the idea that everything's totally different. And yeah, I I fell in love with this version of Noah uh, in the yeah. theaters, and I I could see why some people would probably have a really hard time going that if you're expecting the the bible story of noah and you get this instead. Um <laughs>
0: Edge Lord Noah.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> when you birth that child be it male or female, I will slay it where it lays. <laughs>
2: like wow. wow. That's metal. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> yep, bad
0: way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So that's where I landed on the movie. Uh, Mike, how about you?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, some of the, both you guys, it was really powerful. I feel like we were sitting up pretty close to the screen. And it was a packed showing. Tons yeah. of people that we knew were there. It was a packed showing in our town, which is weird. I think it's because everyone we knew went to go see it. Um, it was just like the spectacle of it left me flabbergasted. Um, people, I mean, like the choices that Darren Aronofsky made choices with this movie that are enormous. Um, and some of them are incredible and some of them are, uh, you know, questionable maybe, but like just the gall of a guy who makes a movie called Noah is amazing. But so I had seen Requiem for a dream before seeing this. Okay. That's all I had seen. And I was like, the guy who made Requiem for a dream is the one where Jared
0: Leto loses his arm.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, with Jennifer Connelly actually. Yeah. And I was like, the guy who made that is making this, and so like people are like, oh, we're gonna go see Noah. I'm like, I don't know if if this is gonna be what you think it is. So I I was.
3: (laughs) This is uh, not your father's Noah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, not your father's Noah. Not your Bible's Noah. I
0: don't think you know what that means.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so I was prepared for something kind of off the wall. Uh, I wasn't prepared for this though. It it was really cool too because I was writing my senior thesis at the school you went to. We write, uh, you know, a big paper at the end of our senior year, and uh, I had chosen to write mine about Cain and Abel. It's a story that has uh, enraptured me. And I'm not familiar with that one. Well, these two brothers, uh, (laughs) they kill each other. Well, one of them kills the other. Oh, Uh, oh, is that the same
0: one in the beginning of this movie? Yeah, it's actually the same one. Yeah,
2: cool. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. And I, I was writing my, my, my thesis about this. Uh, I'd love this story like many other people, right? Uh, but one of my favorite books is East of Eden, which is, had kind of spurred me on to, which kind of, it was the first big important book that I had read uh, that took that story of Cain and Abel and brought it out of the Bible and into day-to-day life. It blew my mind and it still continues to. I still love the story of Cain and Abel as a you know as a myth and as you know as a story uh and so the way that this movie draws that into the story of noah uh is really profound and and really really cool um just the whole approach to to this myth and this this epic story was mind blowing to me it it opened up a new door uh in in what could be done in general
0: yeah Yeah, I feel like the stage was sort of set, at least in in, maybe in terms of the studio's mind, but I definitely think in the popular culture's mind, like we had had um, The Passion of the Christ, which was like the highest grossing R-rated movie at the time that this movie came out, um, which was a huge like faith-based thing. And it it attracted a lot of uh, faith-based viewers to it. You know, it made tons and tons of money. And there was always kind of that question of like, what's going to kind of do that again? Um, And I remember a lot of that that buildup for Noah. Like I even remember people, um, hearing from people back in my hometown who are like getting any other church groups to go see this movie. And that's,
2: <laughs> that's,
0: this is a terrible <laughs> church group movie. <laughs> it's terrible. Cause it, it like, it is about Noah, but it's also about a lot of other things. And it's using this Epic story to talk about both the mythical, maybe the imaginative, but definitely about current issues. All while also talking about universal things, like it's talking about a lot of stuff and it's doing it in the weirdest way possible that actually kind of makes sense once you're down for it, that initial confusion of what are we sitting down to see? And I think the movie does a really good job by beginning with that script, right? It's in the beginning, there was a thing and like it kind of goes through the creation real quick, but then it's like, and then there were angels that fell and then they held wait a second. What? <laughs> yeah, I think it's trying, like, check, it's trying to check you at the door before you see like a minute of actual footage. Just yeah. to let you know, like you're not going to see what you think you're going to see. And then to open with Noah's father um, getting killed by the descendants of Cain. He's the descendant of the House of Seth um, <clears throat> with the serpent skin and all that. Like it's already introducing you into this, this is a very weird, ancient kind of Gnostic society and structure. And that's how we should be viewing. This is not within the lens of Christianity or Judeo-Christian values. Really, we should be viewing it as the story. Um, And I feel like he's trying to tell a story, not necessarily separate from Christianity, but definitely not in conjunction with it. And I think that's hard. I think it's really hard to do. Can I, can
3: I ask what was the general feeling or what was the general reaction at your college was rage. everybody just debate rage.
0: Yes. People, they, everyone people hated it. talked to the people. I don't no, know no, about no. that. No, 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 no. The people who hated it, hated it. And the people who loved it, loved it. I do not recall talking to one person who was in the middle of that, of that. That's true. It was a very so there, polarizing movie. Okay. Not a lot of healthy debate going on. No, because the people who hated it, hated it because it wasn't Noah, And the people who loved it, loved it because it wasn't Noah. We all all agreed. Um,
2: Well, I don't know. I feel like I had a lot of good conversations with people about it. I thought one of the things that was really cool was like we, my, my now wife and I did like a lot of, after we saw it, we like looked into it and stuff and discovered this whole like Midrash tradition that it's kind of built off of Um, Midrash is, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's essentially like rabbis throughout the years would kind of write sort of like stories surrounding and giving context to the stories in the Bible and fleshing them out. And so like the, the Nephilim, like the, uh, the rock angels, like that's sort of a tradition, on in, in one thing. And all, all these different things are pulled out of that, which is fascinating. It's like a fascinating thing that I didn't know anything about to wrap up my nostalgia for it. And, and as a final, like taste, uh, you know, a, a taste of what that's going to be. This movie is what kind of causes to get married. And it's, it's really important from that perspective. We haven't actually seen it since then. So this is the first time we've seen it since then, which is kind of fun. Very cool.
3: Did yeah. It, did it reignite all the, the passion of your youth?
2: Well, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to get her to hang out with me again uh, after, <laughs> after we had stopped like dating, quote unquote. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know what? She really liked that movie, Noah. Like, maybe I can talk to her about it. And so I was like, I texted her. I was like, hey, you want to like have a drink and talk about Noah? And she did. And the rest was history.
0: Look at you. You smooth operator. It was was great. (laughs) Great.
2: So Noah brought us together. Thank
0: you, Russell (laughs) Crowe. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Russ. (laughs) Thank you, Ari. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's our nostalgia first impressions. Uh, Let's do a quick once round for uh, when and will we show this to our kids? I will lead. I will say yes, I will. I am going to wait. Until late teens, Um, simply because since this is kind of an exploration of faith, kind of a deconstruction, also kind of a modern commentary, while also being about the biblical figure Noah. I want to be able to have a a kind of an intellectual conversation, a kind of an educated conversation with my kids about this. Um, So I would wait till probably 17 or 18 to do this and I would probably do some reading beforehand so I could answer some questions about like the rock monsters. Again, I I hate to keep saying it, but I mean, they're, they're the big weird thing in this movie. I'd love to be able to give some context, like we're talking about right now. And I'd also love to be able to give that to to someone who who has a capacity for independent thought and, and thinks their own stuff. Um, so I'm going later, but I'm definitely saying yes. Um, and I'm only going later just because of the concepts, not for any of the content. I mean, as far as content, you could see this in your thirteen, fourteen. You know, um, uh, what do you guys think?
1: I mostly agree with you. Like there, there's some, like when they're on the ark and everybody's screaming in the water and on the mountain. I don't know. That's not even for thirteen, fourteen. I think that was kind of shocking in theaters. I mean, like but I've I mean, seen I mean, apocalypse you, you movies seen, before. Yeah, yeah. You know, like nothing. day after
0: tomorrow and stuff. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not. It's not that you don't hear those screams like that. Like, yeah, I saw Day After Tomorrow when I was, like, 12 or 13, but it didn't come across the same way.
0: It's like the visual of, like, millions of people dying versus hearing some screams for a few seconds. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) No, they're pretty intense screams. No, I... Yeah. Uh, And then then also, like, the plot of wanting to kill a baby, your grandchildren. Uh, Yeah, I know it doesn't actually happen. You don't actually see anything, but, like, this entire plot is more... More mature, more adult. Uh, So, yeah, I'd I'd wait till their late
3: teens as well. Yeah, I, I think this really raises a lot of questions as far as like what's the intersection between art and religion supposed to look like? Like, what kind of liberties is an artist, you know, allowed to or supposed to take? And I know that that's very controversial, very much, you know, something that I, you know, I disagree with a lot of adults that I know. And I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out for myself, like what that what that is supposed to look like, how I'm supposed to feel about an artist taking something, you know, that that I believe in or that I, you know, I've held as true. And then they they take it and they run with it. They run, you know, what, like we were saying, that's very imaginative, Um, even if it's very beautiful. Like what what is that supposed to look like? What you know, what's in the realm of acceptable creative power? Right, that, that you give to somebody. And personally, I'm like, if it's good art, then run with it. Like I'm 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 pretty open minded when it comes to it. But because I know it's very controversial and I think it does take an, an older mind to to kind of grapple with that and to understand that I I would say definitely like 17, 18, and no younger because because of that kind of difficult conversation that I want to have with my kids. I'm looking forward to having with my kids, but I I definitely want them to have the, the mental capacity to, to discuss that and to like grow from this viewing. And also dare not Aronofsky, like I'm not expecting to show like any of the, his movies to my kids and maybe when they're like 30. So
2: not showing black swan to your children.
3: yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So like, I want to introduce my kids to him, but I'm like, maybe this will be like the one movie that I show them, and then if they want to go you and see that stuff fountain. in college, oh yeah, the, the fountain. fountain,
0: yeah, the fountain's yeah, fountain, younger, oh yeah, you're absolutely right, the fountain. I mean, great. they won't they won't understand it like like myself, but yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it'll amaze them like it amazes mm-hmm. me. Um, it's visually amazing too. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I, f- I mean I I feel like the same uh, as you guys, sort of late later teens. um, For the same reasons. Uh, I I think it depends a lot on like the maturity of the kid. But it's also like, in a certain way, with something like this, when you you've taken an old story and sort of changed it in a large degree, um, or or using these these old, old figures to tell the same story, but in a new way, it sort of requires you to have like a lot of background knowledge. Um, and a lot for of these stories to, uh, to have taken root in you deeply, there's a reason why we all like immediately connect with them. Like, like that's why, you know, that's why myths are myths. Like they are these archetypal stories that everyone connects to, whether it's because they grew up reading them or because they speak very, very clearly about the human condition. So, so very quickly um, to
0: jump in by, by myths. So we're being careful here. We're not saying that all myths are necessarily fabrications yes yeah, yeah yeah um i it, i yeah. think that's really important to make clear because sometimes when you say you're right. Right, it's a myth like you're saying it's not real but yeah. this this is transcending almost like what a story is like it's a story yeah. is written on paper a myth is inscribed on the stone wall right like it's something that stands time yeah yeah yeah. Um,
2: yeah. And I don't mean at all that this is something that didn't. Yeah.
0: yeah. I just wanted to make sure that people aren't saying like, and then, the you know, the myth of Noah's Ark. You're like, no, Noah's Ark is mythical. What, what I mean by myth is like, I think myth, myth, like
2: the idea of myths, like true myths, like the story of Troy and like the yeah. story, uh, like there is more reality in them than in many things. Right. Uh, and there's even more reality than, you know, than the story of Troy in the stories in the Bible. And that's why it stood the test of time, maybe. Um, One of the reasons. (laughs) So I I guess that's to say that for these to take root, um, it takes time. And for I think for someone to come to something like this and be able to accept it and to take from it like the really incredible things that I think it's bringing, like there needs to be an encounter with other other pieces of art and pieces of. Uh, sort of the general like world of art, I guess, that's come between the story of Cain and Abel, the story of Noah, and now the story of Adam and Eve. Okay.
0: Good answer. Good answer, all of you. Yeah, Jesse, actually, I'd love to do another, we'll have to circle back on that issue, that topic of, of, we've always been dancing around it, but I'd love to talk about it more in depth at a certain point about um, realistic violence versus fantasy violence and where it sits, because I think we both have strong opinions on it. Love to do that. We need to, we need to find a space to do that in. Unfortunately, it can't be here. <laughs> Not Noah. Hey, everyone. Jumping in real quick to tell you about something I'm personally very excited for. It's Sir's Furniture. S-I-R-R-S Furniture. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, then you know about Sir. He was. We did the, the crossover with the uh, Before Sunset trilogy. He's been on a couple of our episodes. I've been on a couple of his. Um, he's a dear friend. And he happens to make, besides a fantastic podcast, beautiful custom made wood cutting boards of, of whatever flavor of wood you want in whatever kind of design you want. It's, it's beautiful custom work. And with summertime coming up, I know that I'm going to be out barbecuing. I'm going to be out going to birthday parties. I'm going to be going to a couple of weddings and it's sometimes hard to pick you know, what to give somebody, uh, what to give a friend of mine. Sur's Furniture is your one-stop shop for cutting boards, charcuterie boards, coasters, anything that you can really think of that is handmade, handcrafted, and designed woodcraft. You've been using a small plastic board for years. You know you have. Or, you know, take a look in your kitchen at those dried-out twigs that you call cutting boards. And... Go to sirsfurniture.com, S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash NYFM and check out the wide selection of beautiful handcrafted wooden cutting boards that are on display there. Now, listen, let me tell you a little bit ago when Mike welcomed in his third child to the world, um, Jesse and I banded together and we we pitched in on, on one of the big Bertha, I think it's called the Martha. Of the the cutting boards, it was big. Had a nice channel around the side, and we put Mike's last name right in the middle. And this board was gorgeous. I was upset that I didn't have Mike's last name, so that I couldn't just keep it for myself. It was the single most beautiful cutting board I've ever seen. So that whether you love to cook, barbecue, or just need that perfect gift, Sir has what you need. So for ten percent off. Use our link SIRS Furniture. That's S I W R S Furniture.com slash n y f m. That'll tell him that we sent you. Okay, let's get into some of our favorite scenes. This is this is my favorite scene from this movie, and it 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 almost always has been. It's either between this and uh, I think it's uh, Dan your favorite scene. This this one, Tubal Kane is walking out. Um, the rain has just started, and he is kind of railing against what he sees as like the grand injustice of of his circumstance. He's like, you yeah, know we're we're I'm a man, you made me too. What makes him so special? He's like the house of Seth, I'm a Cain. like I, I i give life, I take it away. I'm just like you, I'm just like him. Why is he special, and I'm not special and i I love that. I thought it was so profound and and yet very simple um uh, This idea to explore, uh, you know, what's supposed to be, you know, who is fundamentally the antagonist of the movie. But he made me care so much about him in the two minute scene, you know, a two minute scene. I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of on Duplicate's side. Like, yeah, it's not fair. Why does he have to die? Everyone has to die just because you're not the chosen one. Like, what did he have to do to be the chosen one? Like, what was where was the manual? Where was the thing? Where were the set of rules he had to follow to get in the good graces? of the man upstairs and why wasn't he given those you know um i love this scene because it, it it starts that and then you know when you read the the biblical story of noah you don't get the other side you just get they're all making fun of noah because what a daffy old dude building a <laughs> boat in the middle of nowhere like like isn't is isn't he stupid and silly and then when you hear the earth is wiped out you're like well yeah they didn't believe noah like that was stupid and <laughs> they didn't believe him it's like no this is a crazy thing to do and, and like in like the context right of, to laugh. Yeah. Even in the, of the context time. of the movie where you have rock angels that are building the boat, it's still ridiculous. It's such a big boat. <laughs> it's so, and then all the animals are coming in, like the, the confusion in everyone's face is like, all right, look, it's gotta be real. Cause things are really strange. We're just going to take it that he won't let us on. We asked him to let us on. We asked him to say, Hey, could, could we not die? And he said, no, this is happening because of you. You are all going to die for your sins and I'm going to I'm going to save these animals. So there you go. Uh, I, anyway, I just think the scene is really powerful. Um, it touched me on a really personal level when I saw it the first time, even when I continue to see it. Um, yeah. What did, what did you guys think of this scene?
3: I watching it just now um, when I watched a couple days ago, it didn't when he like shoots the firework up. I was like, what? Like, what is that? Like, he just shoots it up and nothing comes of it. Now I'm real. Now I think what that is supposed to symbolize is like that's the way that God in this you know the the Creator in this universe speaks to people, right? Is he like light the cl- the clouds light up and God shows what's going on, or he says mm-hmm. something, or like God speaks from the, the vision, clouds. and and so I think he's kind of like almost like uh, prodding God, like he's poking God, saying like speak to me, you know, he's he's yelling speak to me in the scene, mm-hmm. and for him to shoot something up in the air is like you know, almost like he's, you know, challenging God or like wanting God to respond. And I, I agree. I I think his, him as a antagonist was so interesting. It's like certain scenes, he seemed like the totally sane one. He seems like he's the one that I related to even certain parts where he's talking about like, you know, man is supposed to kind of take care of this world. And like, and yeah, like, he, he eats the animals and like at well, certain parts, he, it's he
1: dominate the world.
3: True. He is like, he is like a, yeah, kind of an authoritarian, like taking it too far. But he also, at, at certain parts when he's speaking, I kind of, I understood his, his side mm-hmm. of it. And he's like, yeah yeah, you know, man is supposed to, man is the greatest animal. And so we're supposed to be dominating over the creation. And yeah, that's taking a step too far. But, It's kind of, you understand where he's coming from. And yeah, I agree. This is probably his most strong scene of like, you understand his humanity and his, his struggle, his inner struggle with God. And with Mm -hmm. the fact that he does believe that miracles are happening all around him with Noah. Why can't I be a part of that?
1: Yeah. And I love the, I love the idea that the movie presents because when you first go into this, you, you kind of, like the way the Bible always portrays it is like there's a people of God and then there's a people of like I don't know Baal or whatever, you know. There's always like some other strange God that they're worshiping and like sacrificing people to. But here, they both acknowledge that there's there's one Creator. They're both going towards the same guy. Um, they both take up all. They both have heard the same things. Um, and I love the idea yeah, they're, of
0: they're, uh, they're related.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're all yeah they're all related I love the idea that they're all uh, um, there's just a different interpretation uh, of God going on rather than like uh, a battle of
2: God's happening
1: um, I think that makes this story much more compelling do
0: you have any thoughts Mike before we move on
2: um I yeah I, I love this scene I think it's amazing and later on like we see a uh, we <laughs> Like, it's clear that, that these two characters, Noah and Tubal Cain, they're like foils for each other. And they're sort of like the the mirror images of, of one another. Noah, it feels like throughout the, the movie, there's kind of this chip, chipping away at like, oh, Noah's talking to God. It's like, well, yeah, God's talking to Noah because he gives him these crazy visions. <laughs> um, but like, he's not saying anything. He's not clarifying anything at all. Like, he's not saying like, no, you got to... You gotta keep the... First
0: you stand in a black field. You look down. There's blood on your feet. All of a sudden you're underwater and everyone's screaming. Yeah. Did God talk to you? Um... (laughs) I think? I think so. I think I gotta go see Methuselah.
2: I don't know. (laughs) Um, I love,
1: um... Well, I love coming from this, uh, from the Bible story perspective, you know Noah's supposed to be a great man. And in that moment you kind of realize that there's some greatness to Noah. To be able to figure that out when I don't think Tubal Cain could have would have ever,
2: yeah, yeah. And Tubal Cain, I think, says at one point, you know, like, um like God isn't listening to us. God hasn't talked God to care. us. He's he's a postmodern Cain. Yeah, you know, like, like, sure, there might be a God, but he doesn't care about us. He stopped talking to us long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. I so before before we move on, um, and and continue on. I don't mean move on to a different topic. I mean literally continue and delve deeper. I did want to shout out. There's another person from 310 to Yuma in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Durand, who played the the guy that Russell Crowe kills with a fork. What? You remember they're gonna hang me in the morning. Yeah. Before the night is done. Mm-hmm. Who's he in this? That one? guy. He is Ramil. Uh, I'm guessing he is one of the the Rock Angels. Yeah. Because I don't remember his face, and he has a really hateable uh, face. Um, he's got a real punchy too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really just wanted to to shout that out because I thought it was really weird. <laughs> this is a three ten <laughs> to really Yuma like reunion. <laughs> yeah, um, Mike, uh, what what's your favorite
2: scene? I like a lot of scenes in this movie, like in inordinate amount. Like I think about them regularly. But the one that probably comes up the most is when the plants start growing. When like the Nephilim, the rock monsters or the rock angels, sorry, not monsters, are like trying monsters. to take one of the rock monsters away. I don't remember his name. Um, is that Magog? After Noah has planted, like, the seed that um, that Methuselah has given him in the ground. And then all of a sudden, like, the forest starts growing.
0: And I, I don't Cause know. Cause like, I, like, how are we going to build this thing?
2: Yeah, like, how are we going to build it? And then there it is. And it's just, it's amazing. I I... I remember sitting, like, watching it on, like, this huge screen and just my mouth just gaping open, like, what is happening? Because I was thinking also, like, how are they going to build an ark here? This is a wasteland. Yeah, and I thought it was k- kind of funny, too, because I've seen, like, there's seeds like that that grow on this tree, like, near my house. You know, like, I grew up as a kid using seeds that look exactly like that to, like, pelt other kids with and get pelted by, <laughs> so it was really funny to see that. And it was like, oh, there's a whole forest in
0: there, so- yeah. What's in a seed? I, I love the, too when when Tubalcane shows up, he's like, This is my forest. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you talking about?
2: <laughs> you this didn't even know this grew, was here. Yeah. This dude just grew this forest. <laughs> like you don't get to tell him what to do. It came out of uh, nowhere.
1: Yeah, he was just there because he was following all the animals, like oh forest yeah. guys.
0: It came out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. No, no, it came out of <laughs> Noah. Noah. but then the whole
2: series of like the animals coming to the ship Like I it just it was really Re- cool. This is amazing. <laughs> it's really really good and it, like it holds up too I don't know if it'll hold up ten
0: years from now, but you know the idea of it is still so cool Yeah, like it like you got gross animal day Which is like yeah. all the lizards and the flies and stuff. It's like you see like frogs hopping. Yeah, and then like, it's and then my wife turned to me at a certain point. She's like, oh, look, it's Large Mammal Day. And it's true. It was Large Mammal Day. These are all the large mammals. They're all coming in. This
2: is like racing to the ark. Yeah. It's very fun. Very I, fun. I also it's, the most, this- it's the most like normal Noah's part of the story. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I love
1: the part where the forest is growing, that stream stretches out, mm-hmm. and it just has yeah. like a thousand different different scenes, like sp- pictures spliced together of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Retching across the land. And that's Us. how the animals know where to go because they're following that thing all the way back.
0: Yeah. So question, I actually, have, I have a question about that image specifically. Um, sidebar, uh, Okay, so we see a lot of scenes of the snake, right? The snake that that uh, that tempted Adam and Eve to fall. First of all, also love that the fruit of the tree of good and evil is just like a beating heart. That's oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. Did I never think of that before. Yeah. Um, but the snake, right? <laughs> you see the snake and it sheds its skin and it's a black snake underneath the green snake, right? Mm-hmm. And we see the image of the snake often in this movie, like four or five times. Was there, do you guys think there's anything to the fact that there, there's, when when you show the stream, you show the snake in the one shot and then the second shot is the river, the stream departing like a snake. Is there something to that image that's being conveyed? Is there, uh, this is an open question because yeah. I don't know. Is yeah. he trying to draw a parallel between the snake and then the stream?
2: I actually thought about that as well. I was like, this is and and that image sort of comes back uh, in a, in a later scene too. Yeah. Maybe we need to talk. I don't about know. I don't know. Like, it seems like it's def. it's like, it does seem referential, but maybe that's just certain, you know,
0: my, my mind is just finding things that rhyme. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I, so I, um
3: I went down a rabbit hole earlier today where um, I found out that before this movie was completely greenlit, uh Aronofsky and um and Ari had a friend of theirs who's a Canadian artist write a graphic novel from the screenplay and it I read the entire graphic novel earlier today. <laughs> it um is oh. really, really good. It's pretty short, but it covers the entire movie. It's the entire screenplay. Um there are different we, there you, are definitely just send sends that sections. over later. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely share it after this. Um, And there were a lot of the same, like I could see the influence of a lot of the imagery from this graphic novel in the movie. And, um, you know, even like down to the the little clips of like the Garden of Eden and the rock that, you know, Cain is killing Abel with and all that. Um, But the one of the snake you know, like slithering towards the screen and and shedding its skin that actually, unless I'm mistaken, I don't remember seeing that in the graphic novel. Huh. So I wonder if that was something added maybe after the fact it, to me, like the, that I didn't see a whole lot of symbolism or a whole lot of like imagery of Satan or the death, you know, the devil or, or the serpent, right? Just the serpent from the Garden of Eden. Well, I, I didn't see a whole lot of that, other than like the obviously the um, the shedded skin that he's mm-hmm. wrapping around his arm, that is, you know, from that from mm-hmm. the snake. But so I I didn't, and that that shed skin is in the graphic novel that he wraps around his arm. So it's just kind of implied that that's where it's from. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, symbolism in the graphic novel. I don't know if that matters, but um, overall the graphic novel gave me a, a totally greater appreciation for this. And it kind of felt like it cracked open a little bit, like some of the (laughs) funny choices maybe in this or some of the weirdness in it. It made a little more sense. Like, yeah, that's because the graphic novel is a graphic novel, and it's doing it kind of comic booky, and that's why this scene in the movie is a little comic booky or a little like it feels kind of like an adventure movie for certain scenes, and it, it kind of made sense for coming from that that graphic novel.
2: That's cool. I didn't know that. That snakeskin choice is really cool. Like, that's such a cool thought. Like, I would never have thought of that. Right? Like, of course, that, it's a that snake. Con- it sheds con-
0: skin. That confuses it again, though. It is confusing. because
2: Yeah, it seems to be imbued with some sort of magic power. It and like, glows. Like, why is this a good sign for the Sons of Seth?
0: Why, why are the Sons of Seth passing down the lineage using the serpent's skin? And then it wasn't passed down to Russell Crowe, so what does that mean? Yeah, it skipped him. I don't know what the did. power it was, so I don't. I don't know. so I don't know if he got it. It's like the firstborn
1: blessing. Mm-hmm.
0: But he didn't get yeah. it.
1: But he didn't get it, but he's able to pass it on. Maybe maybe the idea is he never got it, so he's able to pass it on to literally everybody, so he passes it on to the twins at the end.
0: Oh, that might... That might Instead that's of just a, that's the firstborn. Oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. Okay, hmm. that makes sense. Well, Good I, job, Jesse. That makes sense to me. That's like a tiny choice that I would not have thought about. Because he does bless them. He blesses yeah, them Yeah, he does.
2: Yeah, but I don't know if it's ever, like, truly, like... To get Parsi here. Uh oh. I mean, like Parsi so, in my sidebar? So 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 okay, so we see that his dad's gonna bless Noah, right? Uh-huh. And we make the assumption that, like, oh, this is the blessing of the firstborn son, because the blessing of the firstborn son is important in the Bible, and so like mm-hmm. you know, the only the firstborn son can get the blessing, but that's an assumption entirely on our part. This is true. But it so, is but it is some kind of blessing. Yes, it is, yeah.
0: Well, they're gonna touch the fingers, the fingies, and yeah, then they
3: get the and, oh and it's possible mind. too that he got it because the intention to give it to him was there. Like I don't no, know. No,
0: that's lame. No, no, it didn't know Does it need
3: it's a movie. Finger it's touching. A movie. I didn't see it.
0: it I didn't see finger it. Finger touching. I think so. It's a visual medium, so. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. anyway, uh End yeah. sidebar. I just wanted to bring it up because I I just saw it last night and yeah. I just didn't know I I just wanted to ask the question. I um, think it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, your favorite scene. I'm sorry to keep you away from it for so long, but now I want you to burst forth and 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 ride your way to heaven on a golden beam, brother. That's right. Uh, I so there are these
1: rock monsters in this movie. uh, The rock angels, whatever the Watchers, and they're they're so strange. They're so bizarre. They're made of like some molten stuff. They walk around like they have bad arthritis, and they have multiple arms and legs, and they're so. They're so they're such strange characters. Like I wasn't expecting them to be here, and, and yet here they are. Like we have them, and they're they're kind of like this super depressed bunch. Like you're sort of scared <laughs> when you first see them, and then you just realize that they they don't know what they're doing because they came down to help. Man, turns out they just made everything way worse. Because they help man with his weapons of destruction on the earth, basically, and now like they have nothing to do. Like they're they're kicked out of heaven because they wanted to go help man, and now that tr- that's a disaster. So they're here in a wasteland by themselves, and they're just uh, they're just really sad and they're slow they're taking, moving, like super
0: long, like depression naps <laughs> that last years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess like maybe they just like cover themselves as rocks and go to sleep. I think that's the best scenario for these. For these cursed creatures. And, uh, but they decide to help Noah because they, they realize that God really did speak to him. And so finally they're, you know, they're putting their, um, all their talents to good use, like helping them build the ark. But you see them on screen, they're like half heartedly, like hammering <laughs> like a nail through wood. And they still look so sad. Like they, you can tell they're doing the right thing, but now it's just, it's still depressing. But then they become like guardians of the ark away from, uh, from, from Tubal Cain's army that's coming forth, right? And uh, finally at the end when the it starts raining and the Ark is about to be lifted up uh, on a flood, they are there with like chains between them and you can't get they've made like a giant barrier and they're kind of like, you know, swiping people away again, really kind of Pretty slow. Awesome. And then one of them starts getting like like ants that the sons of Cain crawl on him and start like piercing it the insides, right? And he just looks up and says, "Creator, please forgive me." And then after he says that, uh, the he gets pierced so many times that the rocks break out and he bursts forth. And the and no, is, this, wa- is, is this is this when they put the, 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 the gold stuff and, and blows yeah. it blows him uh, up. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. Sort of, yeah,
1: yeah. they're they're poking him, prodding him, and they have the the. the oh, they this, open him up and they shoot uh-huh. it in the core, and then it, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And then, and then he bursts forth, and the other watchers look at him, are just like the creators brought him home. And suddenly, they start moving, like they they just start slaughtering everybody. But finally, you see these creatures, these these depressed, sad monsters, like know that they have some sort of purpose. There's they have some sort of drive. They know what they're doing is right, and they are just they're going for it. They're they don't care that they're all about to die because they know when they die. They're gonna go back, and it's yeah. I love uh, yeah. I just love that that arc, that really depressing arc that they go through. That turns out to be like right, okay for them. Like that was really unexpected. You know, uh, it's a little bit cheesy, but
0: I like it. I liked it a lot. Oh, I yeah. liked it a lot. It it made me happy. Um, it made me happy because like you. the the visual symmetry was great between when they're telling the story and you see those little butterfly pixie things come down from the sky and gold, and then they hit the ground and it turns the the rock molten and they crawl from it. And that's why Uh, they look the way they look like is this, whatever they were able to break out of the the lava, right? Mm -hmm. The magma. And that's what they've been walking around with all this time and the relief on their faces. And also like the beautiful animation to give us these facial expressions out of these, these hard rock, visages right it was so great and our main our main angel our main point of contact like he's got this great nose you know but it's like an implied nose yeah yeah Yeah, it's like a (laughs) nose because there's like some stuff that's gone and thus he has a
2: big nose there's like light coming out
0: yeah and you can recognize them and you see like the even though there's light inside they're kind of dead and the relief that i felt anyway at them being able to die like it truly felt like not to step on a future question, but it truly felt like like a Northman achieving Valhalla. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a great scene, Jesse. It's it's really powerful,
3: and it's a great way to like wrap up this really strange existence of these creatures in what's supposed to be kind of the real world or the world that yeah. we live in, right? It's not supposed to be this fantasy land. It's supposed to be kind of historical, and like to show that yeah, we don't we don't have these rock angels anymore because they all had a redemptive arc and they all went back to to their creator it's it's a cool ending and resolution and i i felt like it was a very very cool like kind of a mini end to their arc mm-hmm. before it gets into the really meaty stuff of you know of noah and his family and yeah and all of them so it was, it was a very cool like halfway through the movie gives you a little bit of a good good vibes it was, it was good yeah you you need those good vibes to ride the
0: the depressing wave that comes after
1: yeah
0: uh wave, I get it <laughs> uh, yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. it actually kind of reminded me too of like um the never ending story, like because they're such sad kind of um, oh. monster creatures, it reminded me of a lot of the creatures in in that where they're talking about like how sad they are <laughs> and they're very old and 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 it's it's hard to move now, um, it reminded me of that in a in a deep way um are you yeah.
1: talking about the first never ending story where the the sad rock monsters just staring at hands like these were good hands? Strong,
3: Strong hands. hands. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. One. We'll be doing that one. I will be crying the whole time. <laughs>
3: um I, I was gonna say in going back to the graphic novel, in one of the biggest differences is that the rock angels are not rock angels. They are almost like trolls. Um, they they looked a mm. lot like trolls from like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings or something. Huh. They're, they're tall, they're big, they're ugly. They have four arms. And mm. the whole time I was reading the graphic novel, I was like, I am so glad they changed that <laughs> Yeah, <me> because too. <laughs> I think it would have totally changed how I viewed these things. It would have felt just like another, you know, another fantasy story. There have to be trolls because there's, you know, trolls and dwarves and elves and everything. So I I was very (laughs) glad of that change. And showing their like inner glow was such a cool visual to like cue you up to the fact that these these rock angels have angelic inner beings, you know, and it it was it was much more interesting than than just some trolls.
0: Yeah. And I like that there there was a reason that they were monsters. Like there's a very plausible reason. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It makes totally make sense. Like, I don't question it for a second. Uh, whereas mm. if they were trolls, I think I would have a little bit of a harder time. Where did they yeah. get the troll skin? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just have to answer a bunch of questions that you didn't mean to ask.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, when the angels crash and they say encrusted, I'm like, oh, yep, that makes
0: sense. That's yeah, it. Look, look how crusty <laughs> he is. Look at these crusty boys. <laughs> uh, Dan, what's your favorite scene? Yeah. I, um,
3: I really, really liked the creation sequence. Um, you and when- all
0: of us, Dan, you grabbed yeah. this scene.
3: <laughs> I, I wrote it on there before you guys out anything. <laughs> um, no, it's when Noah is they're on the they're on the ship, and I think Noah has just told told his daughter in law that he is going to kill her babies or her or her baby. If, you know, if it's a man, it'll be the last. Man, you know, it'll replace. Uh, jeffith or whatever as the last man it. if it's a um you know if it's a, if it's a girl i'm gonna kill it basically and it's like right after that he goes off and they they're all sitting around it looks like a campfire and he tells them the story of creation and i i loved it first of all just the idea of this like passed on tradition that these stories were how you know they didn't have Writing materials and history books, they had to just pass things off over campfires, telling stories, and and that's the kind of the living oral tradition that was um the only, you know, tradition at the time. And um and then just the visuals of the actual sequence, I thought was just mesmerizing. It was a really, really cool way of showing everything, but almost like a one-shot. It felt very much like yeah, here's like the darkness and then the light and you felt like it was the camera traveling through, you know, thousands or millions of years, just like a time lapse. And, um, and it goes quickly through it. And then you see earth and earth is like this molten ball and gets hit by a meteor. And it's just like, it's Hmm. so energetic and, and fast paced and beautiful. And then, uh, and then it goes into the, uh, the creatures and the mountains, like rising out of the water and and it shows the cells splitting and it just like it showed just every little piece of creation and it was so just awesome and beautiful it kind of the whole time i was watching it i was like thinking about the tree of life creation sequence which is one of my favorite scenes of all movies all time it's it's the tree of life sequence that's one of those scenes that. um Like I've I've I used to teach high school and um, I gave like a movie class to my students at one point and I showed them that scene. I showed them I kind of built up to it. I was like, think about if you were an artist and you were going to show something as kind of ambiguous or something as um, unknown as creation. Right. It's like we don't we don't really know what it looked like. Maybe you've seen some pictures drawn. But really, your imagination is all you have to go on. Like, what would that look like if you were to make it if you were the one behind the camera? And then let's see what this guy does. Right. Terrence Malick with this Tree of Life movie. And and he does an insanely amazing, beautiful job um, showing that. And so seeing this, I was right away like, oh, boy, I bet it's not going to be as good as Tree of Life. And then I loved it. And I was like, this is totally different, <laughs> but totally amazing and beautiful and it, it made me want to like go back in time and like compare these two be like, here's how he does it. And here's how Darren Aronofsky does it. And, you know, let's talk about the differences or what's, you know, why they chose to show it this way or that way. And it just kind of made me excited to maybe later down the road, you know, if I ever teach a class like that again, to spend way too long talking about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe putting some high schoolers to sleep in the meantime, but, yeah, I just I, I love the fact that this is another artist doing another rendition of the creation and it just kicks total ass.
0: So, And it, it's also like the most um, besides for, I think, being the most beautiful sequence of the movie. It's the most Aronofsky sequence, right? It's like the most individual sequence. He's doing the he's doing the quick cuts. He's mm-hmm. he's experimenting with the camera. Like it reminded me of, of a lot of like his first movie, Pie, where. Um, he's cutting just all the time, and it's, it's, a, it's an aggressive amount of cutting, and it's a really aggressive, in-your-face kind of way to do this. Um, in a way that is is totally unique to Aronofsky. Um, it establishes him as a voice that's totally unique amongst his generation, right? Whether it's uh, we're talking about Nolan or Fincher or um, or any of the even Malick, right? They all have their different, unique approaches, their unique voices, and this is a voice. Um, that is very rarely heard and it came through so beautifully here. Um, yeah. It, this, this scene, this scene rocked me to my core. Like, it, yeah. Um, not, not even necessarily as a faith based person, but just as a person contemplating the idea of being a made thing. Right. Um, I think that's enough. Like, like pass, <laughs> pass the blunt, bro. Like, <laughs> 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 uh uh, bro am i like a made thing and i think that's enough for you to to deal with for a long time is just contemplating the idea of being a, a creation um and i think that this perfectly encapsulates what that feeling of thinking is looks like right yeah. <laughs> and it's so abstract but it i, I feel like it was nailed well, yeah, I mean, in a
2: certain way, it's abstract, but it's also, like, very realized, right? Like, you're you're seeing it happen. Like, like then we have the cell split, and then we have the creature that, like, climbs up on land. Like, and then it's, like, the, running. Fish it's like, like <laughs> learn to become birds and, like, all this stuff. And then
0: suddenly we have man. We
2: Which also, this, this scene
0: really pissed off a lot of people, too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love this scene because, I mean, I don't know. Like, we... Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of people who think there's, there's a lot of, um, you can't believe in evolution and like have a creationism. Yeah. And and well, yeah, creation, um, at the same time, I think that's totally false. I think that's a silly thing to believe.
0: Um, it's a weird argument to get into with people.
2: Yeah, it it is. Um, I think that this, this is marrying those two ideas together, uh, in a really, it was the first time I'd seen a movie, like, like someone in culture you know like marry those ideas together yeah uh which i i love it per- like love visually perfectly mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, visually compellingly uh i'm going to uh, Jesse Jesse what do you think of this scene i want to hear what you think you, you've been suspiciously quiet
1: i I've, I've been admiring Dan's praise for it um yeah i i love it it starts out with nothing yeah no, I, I don't know what else i don't know how i can add to what you guys are saying um yeah i really like it
2: can we can we what? bring it to like one thing that we haven't touched on, which is like that's such a like we didn't really talk about the idea of of how Russell Crowe is being you know passing on this story, and I think that that's something that's just incredible in this movie. Like his his fatherhood, which is pretty good most of the time. It seems like uh, it's not great yeah. at the end in a lot of ways.
0: It's 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 passable at times. <laughs> I would say.
1: It's pretty iffy somewhere in the middle with the girl in trap,
0: and also every he, he, every situation yeah. with his sons he could have handled better,
3: every one of them. Oh, oh, I have to say in the graphic novel he didn't just leave her in a trap. You know the 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 girl trap, the girl that yeah that the mm-hmm. that his son was bringing back. They actually he got her to the boat. And then Noah shoves her off.
2: Ooh. <laughs> oh, uh, just, wow. Just,
3: just being like, no, she can't come because he's assuming that she will, you know, procreate. And he's just like, Nope. And just kicks her off and closes the door. And, and so I was like, wow, that would, that, that would be a much more pissed off.
1: Uh, no
0: descendant of Cain on my boat.
3: <laughs>
1: <own. laughs> yeah. no, you, Yeah. You can't do that though. You, based off of what he says at the end of the movie, when he says, I look down at, at those, those children just felt so much love yeah. um like you can't do that and kick a girl off of a boat right like
0: those, te- those seem mutually exclusive to me I agree yeah so but yeah. anyway so so I, I disagree that he's that he's a very good dad I think he's mm. fine
2: I mean I think that we kind of see uh, yeah i I think like up until the point where he ha- he starts doing this crazy thing like he's a pretty good dad like was yeah, like ten minutes yeah in in, in cool ways and teaching like his kids for 10 minutes. Like, a like few These years. are these are the accepted like, like, uh, signs of good fatherhood. Like you teach your kids how to get food from, uh, from like, I don't know, moss. I don't know what they're eating. He
0: was telling him like, don't pick, don't pick the plants. Yeah, it's don't got a pick flower. Plants. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. teach your
2: kids about how to take care of the earth, right. like to, to treat animals. Well, like he burns the sacrifice and then like, God's like, Hey, go do this thing. And he becomes kind of like crazily obsessed with it. Right. Um, or or tries to interpret what God's saying and thinks that it's
0: maybe more than God is saying or maybe right. not.
2: But he I doesn't know. know.
0: We, we don't know. So a question but. I actually have that's directly related to this. Yeah. Directly related. Um sidebar again. Sorry, two sidebars from one person. I know it's usually for sidebar. No, I ended it. Oh, okay. Um okay. I think this movie is pretty directly about industrialization, stewardship of the earth, and um Vegetarianism. I think those are three pretty big topics it brings up, either visually or in the story itself. So Mike brings up one where he slaughters uh, three hunters who are, of course, going to attack him because he's found their kill. So I suppose he's justified in, in their killing. However, it's not clear if he buried them, human beings, brethren of his, not only members of the same species, but much, much closer to being relations than we are to e- to each other right now. <laughs> if, if we, if we are to believe that we all come from a common parentage, but he does burn the little armadillo dog, right? Also, isn't that weird? It's an armadillo dog. It's so uh, cool. It's, I really, really want armadillo dogs. Yeah. But also like, why does it have any hair? But it has some hair. <laughs> you're like, why is there some? It's still evolution still happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the missing link.
1: <laughs> also, maybe two volcanes just ate them on the ark, so they never made it.
0: Right, right, right. Um, so, but he burns the dog. It's clear that they are a they're a non animal non animal product kind of household, and it's clearly shown that barbarism is the consumption of specifically raw animal meat. Right,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. um, you see people are just like going going hog wild yeah. for this bloody raw meat. And they they seem like animals themselves. Like eating animals reduces you to animal status. You see Russell Crowe standing in the blood. He like when he goes to the city to find a mate for his son. He sees them eating the animal. Everyone's like a, a fervor, and he looks down. His his shoes are bathed in the blood of the animals. Right. This is not something I expected a movie like this to be making a statement about. Yeah. It does seem to be very clear. There also seems to be statements here being made about the commercialization and and maybe the the. I don't know. What's the right word? The the gouging of the earth's natural resources, the. Mm Yeah. um, Yeah. the Wasting of them. Yeah. Um, So you come out at the end with like a pretty progressive message, right. That um, especially when you're, so you're asserting that, that animal eating is barbarous. You're asserting that the consumption of earth's resources is also bad. And you're saying evolution is real. Like it's kind of no wonder that this movie pissed off so much of the people that would seem to be primed to want to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, But also the the animal, the not eating meat thing, that is biblical. Like God God says you can eat herbs and seeds um, in the garden. And then he says the animals can also eat the herbs and the seeds. He never says anything about eating the animals explicitly until after Noah lands the ark. He says, yeah,
0: you can eat the beasts of the field. That's fine. Which is funny because this movie contradicts that, right? Yeah, because it's like it's like they're living as they did in the Garden. It's like wait, I don't remember any story about the Garden of Eden where the animals are just freely eating each other. Like that's that seems different. But then like there's then a a, but then the modern conception of like a tiger, for example, could not sustain itself on seeds, nor (laughs) nor could it even chew the seeds with its giant fangs. I'm very confused now. I'm thinking about a lot of things. And here's Darren Aronofsky being like, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, think that's,
3: I think that's why I was kind of okay with it. That like, yeah, I, I could just see it as like, whatever, a political common, commentary on our modern world of like vegetarians and vegans and all this. Um, but I just saw it as more like the violence that it took like killing another thing. We all agree. I think uh, like pretty much every human being would agree that like, you should like take care of the earth, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not a controversial statement, right? What I mean, that un- looks unless, like.
0: Unless you're, unless you're a major corporation, in which case like you need to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, there are, okay. There are <laughs> crazies out there, but like your average. They control society, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> they control society.
3: And if you're living, and if you're one of those people listening to the podcast, We'll accept your donation, but nothing else. But my point being that like, we all agree, like, okay, being a good steward of the earth. Yeah. We like, we all agree that is like, is, you know, cruelty to animals. None of us are on board with that. Like, even if I eat burgers, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a vegetarian. Like we, we, I think there's a message here that that everyone can take away and go, yeah, I agree with that. Even if I don't agree with, you know, that you can't kill animals I think a lot of people, obviously there's a lot of people eating burgers out there. You can take the message as a nuanced thing that is existing in a different kind of like alternate dimension or, you know, it is, it is taking place in a totally different historical context and the symbolism of it, the message. I think you, I think everybody can get behind, right? Like man should not be acting like animals and just killing out of cruelty. And I know I keep bringing up the graphic novel in that one, they're killing the armadillo dog to get, it has like a tusk mm. and they're trying to get that, that ivory and Noah's big Noah says, he's like, they're not even killing it to eat it. They're killing it just for the the bone of it. And bone is fr- is like fingernails and hair. It's dead stuff. So they're killing this for dead stuff. And, um, mm. and that was kind of interesting that the graphic novel wasn't, the graphic novel, Noah, wasn't so angry at the killing itself. It was more like the unnecessary killing. Um, I know that that's obviously, like, we can't be, I'll stop talking about the graphic novel, but it does <laughs> kind of interest me because, you know, the movie, yeah, it, it, it kind made of. A yeah. It yeah. made a choice, yeah. you made a choice, exactly, and and it changed it. But I think the, the message is still there, and it's, I think, pretty, uh, I don't know, I can get behind it.
2: I'd say also like you can disagree with some messages in, in things and agree with the bigger ones. Like that's a small message. And I wonder also about what like I mean, that's uh, us making a podcast. Yeah. I mean, like I think that that I mean, to me, and this is my like the way I'm receiving the movie, like that message is less important than the me- like the message of like, like Aronofsky is a vegan. I am not a vegan. I am a big fan of meat. I like to eat it. Um, but i'm also congratulations trying <laughs> thank yeah. you good for you man thank you humble brag, <laughs> humble brag. Yes. i have eaten many meats in my day i see what i want and i take it um
1: you have eaten really, the whole arc already
2: i may have i probably have um that's actually horrible but like no i think there is a lot wrong with the way that we consume food in like our culture today and so like our family's trying to take more steps in that. It's hard. It's hard to do it. It's hard to, like, deny yourself, partly, and also hard to go and... It's hard on the wallet. It's hard on the wallet. It's hard on, like, just capacity to, like, make good decisions and, like, find good things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, yeah, man, like, so I, I think that maybe what he's pointing more towards... What I'm taking from it, at least, I don't know what Darren Aronofsky thinks is more important. Is that like the way that we have used the world is pretty bad. Like we've got a trash uh, island floating in the Pacific. That's several, but it's enormous. Like how lo- How large is it? It's like 10 miles. It's, it's, like, it's like five. New Yorks, diameter. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Like this is insane. This is bad shit. Um, and it's- I think that, you know, it's not super progressive to be like, that's not good. And we should stop doing that. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It, it's considered that way. I think that in 2014, it was considered much more progressive and absolutely like, and stuff than it almost is radical. Now. Yeah, yeah, it was considered almost radical in 2014. Maybe this movie is part of what changed that. Anyway, um,
0: yeah, but I want to call an end to a sidebar. End of sidebar because I think it loops into all of our questions here. We all have. We, we each have one question of these four questions. They actually all look pretty similar. Um, all of them are just. What? Why? <laughs> what is this? Uh, so I think I, I think Jesse, you and me can team up on one. Jesse, what's your question? Sure. uh I, yeah. What's the genre of this movie? It, it
1: seems like when it starts out, you think it's going to be. Well, no. Before you even see it, you think it's going to be a face-based movie, a- and then the. <laughs> that dialogue comes on screen. It's like, bah, bah,
2: bah, bah, bah,
1: bah, bah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what this is anymore. Like as soon as you see that, you're like, this is oddly very, very intense. And then it becomes a story of like this family kind of running away. And then an apocalypse movie with visions happening. And, and then like a confrontation between the armies and you know, it really starts functioning like an apocalypse movie in that way. And then that, that is an hour in and then it stops. And then they're, like, on the boat and it becomes almost like a thriller where everybody's trying to run away from Russell Crowe because he's going to go kill the babies. Um, and a, mixed with, like, a serious drama. Like, I, I don't know. what is What do you call this movie?
0: I have a hard time with this, too. Um, well, first of all, drama. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> second of all, it does, it does shift gears so much. Like, we do start out with, like, a historical epic. And that goes along for quite a while um, until we do shift down into this chamber piece, right? where you have essentially like six people. You have Russell Crowe being primary threat, but we also, you know, commiserate with him. We also have a lot of feeling for his family, all of whom are allied against him. And then we ha- also feel something for ham who's allied himself with Tubal Kane, who he yeah. has snuck onto the boat, right? You have these three factions that are all warring kind of against each other. Um, and the way that that pays off is not necessarily completely satisfying. Uh, but it, it it is a really weird way to structure your movie to essentially have everyone kind of thinking like, well, movie's over when uh, <laughs> the flood happens and then be like, oh, no, you have 45 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. Like a full 45 minutes left. I don't know what to call this because I've never seen someone do that. I've never seen someone build momentum for half of a movie and then just shut it down <laughs> for the other half and then try and go in another direction. I, yeah. Never.
2: Yeah, it becomes like a psychological thriller. Yeah. But even like throughout the whole biblical epic, like it's it's not like Ben Hur or or any of those. No, it
0: actually ones. is more like Lord of the Rings. It is.
2: It is, but even no there, like doubt. it's it's so much smaller in scope in a way. But you yeah, got rock angels so sweeping empty. back and yeah, forth. No, no, like, <laughs> no. No, for, for sure. But like like the like Lord of the Rings is populated by so many creatures. This has like two. There's like a couple of things. There's on, like
0: six of them. I, like, like it's more but, like the Fellowship of the Ring. But the first like movie. the
2: way, the way it's even like framed and stuff, like we are in big spaces until yeah. the trees come up. And then like suddenly we shut down into even closer quarters in a way. And then we get into the arc and we're like in as close quarters as you, as you can. But, be dur-
0: but during the final fight sequence, they, they do, when they, we see the trees, there's a time jump, right? We yeah. see Russell Crowe and they've, they have made a large clearing fantastically yeah. large clearing because the arc is so big. Yeah. Like they are keeping the scale going. Yeah, they are. They are. So in answer uh, to your question, Jesse, I don't know if there is an answer. Is there an answer?
3: I almost think if it wasn't called Noah and it wasn't a story that we were all familiar with, what would we call it? Probably like an apocalyptic sci-fi or apocalyptic fantasy? futuristic fantasy. Yeah, like... It would just we be do, fantasy, right? If it wasn't supposed yeah, to so. be... Yeah. Yeah. It'd just be a fantasy. Like if we didn't know that it's, oh, it's supposed to be happening in 6,000 BC or whatever, whenever, long time ago, Yeah, <laughs> if we didn't know that and we didn't know about the Bible story, I think we would have possibly thought it was like 20,000 years in the future in like a desolate apocalyptic landscape. Like that's kind of the feeling of it where people are barbaric, but they're, they also have like weapons and, and they have this magical, like luminescent gunpowder. It's, it's Planet mm-hmm. of the
0: Apes. Yeah. At the end of the movie, when the water yeah. goes down, there you see the Statue of Liberty. Like <laughs> that's what it would be. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be sci-fi fantasy. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. no, so Jesse, yeah. what well, I would answer well, this is for a could... secular person, it's a fantasy, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a fantasy. But yeah. Yeah, it is a fantasy, but it's far more personal than that right because we it's all really are well familiar with it but yeah it well it's not just because we're all familiar with it it's it's like noah's struggles they're 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 big struggles like if like if this was not written down in the bible somewhere and you still heard that this was happening like this, these would still be huge struggles for people right like i think you everybody would connect with this character of noah so it, it's also a, a grand personal odyssey too Intermixed with I mean, like, re- like, I mean, really, then, really good fantasy can have that in it too, can't it? Sure, yeah, but I, I see genre as more like, like genre usually says uh, a movie's functioning a certain way, and and the way it seems like we're using fantasy is saying like it has these a few of these elements in there. Uh, I guess it has maybe more in common with a with a drama.
3: It's tough because we're trying to fit it into a box that like it's this is very much work, not. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a category type movie. It's, it's
0: a Darren Aronofsky, Aronofsky movie. Yeah, that's, that's the genre. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a film by Aronofsky.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, if you said anybody, I want to see a fantasy movie. All right, go see Noah. That's probably not what they mean. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, they also probably wouldn't say like you know, fantasy is so broad, sci-fi is so broad. You know, it can live in the house, right? But the yeah. room that it occupies is is greater or lesser, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the Noah room. Yeah. It's a really big room, the size of an arc. Yeah, it's a really strange room. It's, we don't it, understand. It, it is it. somehow bigger than the house. It, yeah. 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 House of Leaves is in there too. Yeah. Uh, but to tie this yeah. into, into yeah, my yeah. question, because I think yeah. it is related, um, I do want to ask so, in this genre that it's existing in, whatever genre, whether it be fantasy or drama or both, is this movie well written? And by well written, <laughs> I do not mean, is it necessarily, well, actually, I could mean this too. Is it well paced? Do the events happen at times that they should happen in? I also mean just dialogue wise, because I felt like I was groaning all the time, being like, ugh, 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 like, like I, I something profound would be said and beautiful, and in the next moment I would cringe, and the line would just come, it would just it would sail over like a lead balloon, um, or it would soar, and and I guess when I say I, I could go either way. I also mean that the events in this movie are also weirdly structured. Is it necessary that Tubal Kane survives and gets on the arc? What, what wrap up did we give his arc? Why was he there? Why is ham pardoned so quickly? Like I, I, it, I have a lot of questions just even around how they structure the movie. Like why did they take a 45 minute break in the third act to just, talk about how Russell Crowe was a threat to the kids. And then he's not, did we have to have his arc be, I hate all of us and we should all die into no, we're all okay. Now. Like, I just have a lot of mm-hmm. questions about why this is the way it is.
3: I mean, it's his arc is right. what he's building.
0: Thank you. Dan.
2: <laughs>
3: I had to, end yeah. I'm sorry. No,
0: it's good. It's good. It's good. It's off the table. <laughs> that was some <laughs> low hanging fruit right there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm so glad you said that. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Very good.
3: Yeah, one thing I felt, I felt like some of the characters. This is more about the writing of it, um, but the characters kind of felt like each of them were in a different movie. Like I felt like I felt there was some miscast with. Uh, I struggle with Emma Watson for some reason. Yes, she's yes, she's she so is
0: terribly cast. This is not a movie she should be in.
3: Right, like she's ridiculously pretty and very young looking. And this was this should have been like, a I don't know, somebody else should have been in this in this character. She's, I, she's too fragile. Yeah, I I, I struggle with her. I struggle with basically all of the younger characters in this. Honestly, I'm going to say it. Sir Anthony Hopkins, as much as I like laughed in his scenes, I felt like it. He didn't fit like he was he, he had come in from a different movie and had sat down and.
0: He was being Anthony Hopkins, who again, he looked like I love. Like you thought this was but, like the set of Willow or Excalibur or something. He's like, right. he's like, what is this? Some sort of like medieval fantasy epic. Perfect. <laughs> I could be the mysterious magician. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. He's like Merlin or something like, um, yeah. so I, I definitely, yeah, I just felt like a lot of those characters, it just did made the lines feel like cheesy or I don't know the, the scenes with Emma Watson and, and, uh, Shem felt like they were from like I don't know I felt like I was watching a Divergent movie or something like the hell is this the yeah. Fault
0: in Our Stars <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah and like again you, having a love story in there is is important and that's kind of like the mm-hmm. end arc is that love matters and mercy matters and like life matters like it is it is a crucial point that uh, the movie the, the the story arc is is swinging around but it just felt yeah, it felt kind of tacky and cringy. And those, those were definitely the things that I least liked about the movie. They're not going to prevent me from watching it again or enjoying it again. But yeah, I definitely did not enjoy those things.
2: I, I feel like with yeah. the, with the, with the tubal cane, um, with the tubal. The, so I think that the reason why tubal Kane dies, uh, in the, in the arc, like he gets on the board of the arc and stuff is because it's symbolic more than anything. It's like, so, Like if Russell Crowe and Tubal Cain are mirrors of each other. Then uh, and it's kind of like this is the war that's going on in Noah's own heart where he's like, God isn't really talking to me. He's just like telling me what to do. And I think he wants me to kill my kids like like this is up. But if he's God and this is what he wants, he wants me to do this and I have to do it. It's almost like with the death of Tubal Cain, we also have a death of the destructive force or something like that within within Noah because God doesn't want him to do that, I think. Or at least he decides that that's not what he's going to do. I think that it's more it more has to do with the symbolism. I don't think it makes sense from a story perspective.
0: It, it seems weird to add this extra layer of motivation to Noah's character when there's already a lot of motivation for what
2: he's doing. Yeah, in a certain way, you kind of want it to like, let's just explore like relationships here that are extremely like intense um without adding more drama that doesn't really make sense to it yeah yeah um, so i, I yeah I, I don't think I don't think it was a bad decision
1: well i I like impressed it I like the I'm twocan like being in there because uh, Noah kind of identifies himself as uh, I mean the whole idea of the arc is that they are the chosen people. They are the others when the rest destroyed the earth. Right. So um, he, in some ways, uh, Noah knows himself as opposed to the children of Cain um, as through himself as a contradiction to them. Um, So to run into Duval Cain, who is so like, what does he say? I'm going to dominate the earth and build it in my image. Um, but he's gonna become a, a new god, basically. Um and maybe maybe knowing that and hearing that um brings forth a, a kind of contradiction that he that he suddenly sees in, in having killed grandchildren, which is if he is killing creation because the babies are a new creation, right? If he kills the new creation that then won't that make him like Tubal Cain? Um And I I think it's a question that's so hard to justify that he, he just can't do it. But he also thinks that's what God wants, which leaves him in that quandary, um, where he just has to drink wine in order to forget about it because he cannot solve it within himself. Um, so no, I, yeah, I don't think that can quite be resolved in another relationship on the ark. I think you need to bring in uh, a son of a son of Cain for that to happen.
2: And building on that, too, I think it's supposed to sort of represent that, like, Tubal Cain is being brought on the ark within Noah himself. Like, at the end there, there's not much mm-hmm. difference between the two of them. And, like, we've sort of seen this throughout, but we've given Noah a bit of a pass. Like, he is mm-hmm. freaking brutal. Like, he oh, kills yeah. people really well. He is a better oh, fighter shit. than the people who are supposed to be the best fighters. Yeah, just to, to add to what you're saying and completely agree with it. And maybe, maybe... yeah. The, during like it's sort of through through that final battle and the killing of that side of him,
1: he's able. Yeah, to I think like remember when there's him. an image of his his face somewhere in the camp. I think that's why he sees his face in there because he is a brutal killer, just like that. Um, I think that's also why he, he wants to kill off humanity because he just realizes like I am not that creative a guy, but I am the only one that God's talking to on the face of the earth, so so that I can save people. So there's no way. There's no way that this my line is going to be better than the line of Cain's.
3: But but he's also self, like he's he's essentially committing suicide by right not a lot by killing these babies. Right, he's saying mm-hmm. mankind has to end, including myself. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like identifying with Tubal Cain and rejecting it. Yeah, and, yeah. So like I don't I don't know that he saw himself as other other than the fact that he's like we we're the, were the ones chosen to, you know, be the last bastion to save these animals. But, yeah, um, yeah, he still, I think he definitely th- sees himself as just as bad as Tubal Cain, other than the fact that I was chosen by God to do this special task before basically disappearing and dying and, the, you know, all of humanity ending. And in some ways, like, wanting to commit suicide like that, like,
1: to destroy humanity, that does separate himself out from Cain like Cain would never do that that that's the opposite of what Tubal Cain wants he wants to dominate the earth in his, in his image he want he wants to be fruitful and multiply in that way
2: yeah and i'm i'm thinking about like you know Tubal Cain says like you know i take life and i i give life i'm just like you um that's what Noah does like those are his two actions there like he takes a life well wait, how does Tubal Cain die it Logan Lerman stabs him in the arm yeah hamstead yeah. um yeah uh, only good thing he does in the whole movie.
3: Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I'm it's gonna throw this out there. Last I yeah. promise last time I'll bring up the graphic novel <laughs> <laughs> that he stabs him with a necklace that is the ivory, piece of ivory that they got from the dog Armadillo. Of
2: course
0: it is. Oh interesting. Oh, is. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, I mean amazing. like you know, when you got dramatic irony, it just falls in your lap, yeah. like yeah.
1: <laughs> Dramatic irony. <Ivory>. Um, <laughs> <But> I, <just, laughs> I thought of it at the same time. And
0: I'm um, <laughs> so I actually, I actually am going to, st- I would like to stop the discussion there because after this, I think we've said a lot of good things and I think that people can make up their minds about it. And I think that I'm definitely, uh, I've definitely been been challenged a lot by this discussion and I really appreciate it. But I think that we, we do need to move on here. Yeah. Um,
1: well, real quick, if I could, if I could just summarize a little bit, like I, I love, I love what we're talking about th- the writing with, with Noah's character. I think, I think that's good. I, that's what hooked me to the movie, um, Dan. With everything, everything you were saying about the the miscasting, I think that's definitely there. Uh, I think the pacing is is off in this movie. It it just it's too jolting for it to be a, a continually joyful experience to watch because it's just so odd and it just like it jerks you around on a really hard chain. Um, so yeah, the the writing is. It's very strange. I, I like the writing of the character, but not the structure of the movie
0: is what it comes down to for me. Yeah. I, I agree with that statement. Russell Crowe carries this
2: movie on his back,
0: but that's probably why he got so fat and unhinged. He's like, probably had he his back in this movie. <laughs> probably
2: <laughs> true. You're probably right. Vito. <laughs>
0: But it's such a beautiful mess of a movie. Like I, I love it. Yeah, actually, talking yeah. about a, like we all have Letterbox. You should also all follow us on Letterbox. Yeah. Um, I actually rate this movie higher than all of you. And I yeah, have the you most gave it criticisms. four and a half stars. Like, because it makes really... me feel. Yeah, yeah, it makes me feel this movie. Make that's what I love about this. As as yeah. critical as I am of this, because I I I it, I don't like saying something's a mess when it something is very clearly delineated. in yeah. the creator's mind. It's not opinion. a mess but no, no, it's okay to describe it that way because it's a mess to view. Yeah. Right. It's, it's biblical almost
2: in the way that like, we've got like, like, like we've even got like with the, with the cane thing and like then the later thing, but that also is mirrored by like when Noah goes out, I'm sorry, but like it's, it's when Noah like goes out of the tent and his wife follows him and we have them silhouetted against the night sky, which is beautiful. We have this constant mirroring of things happening and like, choices being made that are mirrors of other people's choices and people who are mirrors of each other it's extremely biblical uh and it's like it's like like you're saying it's clearly like this is intentional
0: it's just it's a little obscure it's a little difficult to get to yeah yeah it's it's like uh yeah it's like an unrefined circuit board (laughs) you know like it works but we have too many resistors here. We it have too many Takes a little jumps. too long to get there. Yeah, like this it's could be streamlined. Body. This could be a little bit better. But also, like it's so weighty and big. I mean, it's amazing that anyone even f- tried. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, it's and that, true. that's true. And that—that's what I love, though, is that it makes me feel. I'm just really critical. The things I love the most, I'm really critical of, um, which is uh, uh, insight into my personal life. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> nice. mm. uh, which is why I kind of wanted to go over to, to why is the reaction all over the place. I feel like we've, yeah, Mike, that's... your question. I'm sorry. You should have said it. But I just really want to answer it because it's for everything we've been saying. Yeah. It's so hard to get into this. And we are, you know, we, we're, we have a movie podcast. We watch more than one movie a week, which is already more than average. Uh, and we talk about difficult movies. We talk about easy movies. Like we're movie lovers from way back in the day. And this movie is, is, is a little rough going. And so it would be difficult for me to imagine, for instance, my parents seeing this movie and liking it in any way.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, like besides for the parts where Russell Crowe was a war chieftain and the rock monsters were killing people. Right. <laughs> um, and that's not to say anything mean about my parents. It's just that it's so resistant to conventional movie making that that's mm-hmm. the most, that's the moment where it's most accessible. Right. Um that's I think that's why it's critics critics would love it because it's it's artsy it's fartsy, and it's a it's a brave vision, and that's exactly why people don't like it. Why general, yeah. normal people who don't watch a million movies like don't like it, right? Am I yeah. overstating? Am I being yeah. mean to anybody? And well,
2: added to that, like it's taking a very clear agenda on some some yes, like hot true. button issues, yeah. Which you know it's going to be divisive just because of that, right? Mm-hmm. As well as right. well as being like not a straight up Noah movie right yeah i i feel like it's kind of um it's drawing the people
3: that it will piss off the most that's kind of a weird <laughs> it's like it's drawing the, the you know people that like faith based movies and it's probably going to piss them off the most especially if they don't like the evolution stuff or they don't like you know going uh you know against biblical People Tr- don't like it when you mess with the
1: Bible and you advertise a Bible movie.
3: Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> that's, that's just... a
0: real hardcore way to piss off millions of people.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but but even if it's not religious based, even know. if you're just like a regular average moviegoer that wants a good Russell Crowe movie, this is not a normal Russell Crowe movie. Mm-hmm. This is a very no. surreal, symbolic, epic, and crazy time and that's going to piss off a lot of people. So it's kind of like it's drawing the exact people that will write a bad review about it or will will not not like it. And um I know that during parts of my life, I when I was younger, I would not have liked this either. I probably would have been mm-hmm. very turned off, not understood any of the appreciation, you know, the things that we've been talking about that we that we really like about it. So mm-hmm. it's um yeah, I don't I don't even know who I would recommend this to other than like if I have friends that watch a ton of movies, yeah, like, oh, that's, that'll be somebody I recommend this to, but anybody else, I would, this would be such a like dangerous recommendation. Like I mm-hmm. could lose my reputation um, <laughs> of, of, of a recommender of movies. If I, if I recommended this to everybody, you gotta,
0: you gotta let that go though, Dan, you gotta let it go. I don't have a, I don't have that reputation anymore. Just recommend what you <laughs> like, man. That's all there is out there. Yeah, I I if I recommended this to people, I
1: would probably want to like sit around and talk about and like temper expectations for what what it is first and then and talk about it a lot afterwards because that's the only way to really watch this movie, I think. Um, discussion.
0: Yeah, you need discussion with this one. Finally, uh Dan, do you have a do you have a little question for us?
3: Yeah, um What would Eggers have done?
0: No angels. They would be demons. (laughs) (laughs) They would be literal demons. They would be eating people. Russell Crowe would have eaten the
3: babies. (laughs) 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 Obviously, Willem Dafoe would be in it, first of all. Robert Eggers, right?
1: Robert Eggers,
3: Eggers, yeah. Not David Eggers. From from, uh, The Witch... And the lighthouse and the Northmen, which I still have not seen. Wait, um, so, you
0: haven't seen it? It's so metal. What are you doing? What are you doing, no, are you doing man? You I'm gotta see go it. I'm gonna go see
3: it. I'm gonna go see it with a buddy of mine. We already know, like next week, hopefully. I know I'm gonna see it. Don't worry. It's just okay. taking me a little longer than than I would have liked. But um, I,
2: I thought. I thought this was your way of just like sneaking and talking about the Northmen. I, I thought, thought that, but, like, I thought that too. Dan, yeah. Dan,
0: this is so your shit. Yeah.
3: I know I've been told. Yeah, no, I, I just, I think Eggers is like kind of, he's kind of pushing the idea of like making a historical movie or a movie set in a time timeline. Yeah. um, Or in a, a, a certain uh, time in history. And so I just kind of, it just kind of tickled my brain to think, like, what would he have done differently than Aronofsky in this if he was making a Noah movie? I feel like it's kind of a funny question to ask. You know what,
0: You know what's the same, though? You know what's exactly the same is that Russell Crowe would totally have had to do uh, psychedelics in a hermit's <laughs> cave to figure yes. out what's going on with God. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: That would have stayed exactly the same. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. This yeah. movie,
2: another, another kind of divisive topic that, that this movie uh, uh, is all for is psychedelics to talk to, to God. To talk to God. Yeah. And to get accurate information. The only <laughs> way to get accurate information is by doing LSD. And
1: uh, maybe yeah. people on a boat, isolated for a long time, all about to kill each other. I, yep, that would be a thing.
0: That uh, almost might have been, like, actually, thing. you know what he would have done? He yeah. would have done the same thing as Aronofsky. He'd have done a half and halfer and the second half would have just been that's like, I don't want to spoil too much about the Northmen, but there is a clear delineation in the Northmen between one location and another location. And you get kind of surprised at a certain point, like, oh, 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 the whole the rest of the movie. We're just going to be here. We're just going to be here. Oh, okay. Um, So it's actually a more apt comparison than you knew, Dan. Uh, I don't think we would have yeah. gotten
2: like the scientific like like creation story. No. Yeah, you no. wouldn't been, you wouldn't have been interested in that at all. It would it might have been the studio might have pushed him to do a mythical
0: yeah. like some some like I don't know there be there be a figure on a horse that would ride yeah. and you'd see the a scene tree with like things. Yeah, 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 something like that. A tree, a tree with things. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> the the language would have been totally different. It, that that was one thing I, I thought of was like he would have tried to make it sound like it took place in 6,000 BC.
1: Well, the writing like, would have been better. Yeah.
3: yeah, I think I think the, the language dialogue, would have yeah. made you even more immersed in it. It wouldn't have felt like, you know, a couple teenagers in a love story mm-hmm. from the Divergent series. Yeah, like, that, that, would have,
0: that would have been cut. That, yeah. There would not have been a love story in this.
2: Yeah. Um, I so. thought you meant that there would be like speaking in Sanskrit or something. Which would be rad. Which would be... Oh, yeah, I'd be all for that.
1: They should they'd probably speak in a Sanskrit uh,
2: English hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really like awesome. roll a lot of R's for no reason. You've heard of you've Spanglish. Now we've got Sansklish. <laughs> Could you? You
0: need to go wash your mouth out with soap. That sounded like a nasty word. Hey, guys, this
2: is this a dad movie? Hell yes. Hell yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Heaven, yes. Yeah. yeah. Rainbow, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, Jesse, Jesse. Well, hesitation. Huh?
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a wholehearted dad. Like, like I will show this to my kids someday, but like, this is not the top of the list of all of all movies to watch for me.
0: Oh, so yeah. okay. So, so for me, when I, when I, I'm sorry, I should I should have clarified before I asked you why you felt a certain way. Um, I say this is a dad movie because this expresses two things about myself and my life very concretely that uh, I think are really beautiful, both my favorite scene and also Dan's favorite scene, the the creation scene. Um, Those two things express something very deep about myself in a way that I could never describe to somebody or even could really get into why they did that unless I was paying you and I was laying on your couch. Uh, (laughs) And I think that's really cool that there's something that exists out there that I can point to and say like that. That describes what I think and what I feel in a very specific way about Mm. my life or about how I view God. And I love that when I do show this to my kids, I can share at least that, and they can, you know, puzzle over that long after I'm dead and be like, "What the what the hell was that talking about? (laughs) Like, what was it? That that, that so touching." Um, So that's why I say it's a dad movie. I would love to be remembered for this kind of movie, you know?
1: Yeah, I I guess I I think this is a dad movie because of of the topics here. Like, I think in some ways, especially if, uh, if you're a person who, who, who's Christian, then you probably struggle with this sort of stuff. Um, this is not, this is kind of like a universal dad struggle. Like, what does God want me to do? Um, and so I, I think the topic is is very, it's very dad. Uh, but like, I don't think I'm like super thrilled to like open that up with my kids. Like, (laughs) hey, like i think this is going to be a topic it, it will be said it will be and this will be shown uh, probably to help along with it but like uh that's not it doesn't like fill me with <laughs> with joy to think that this is what's going to happen uh in the future if that makes sense
3: like the, i don't yeah. think it'll be a fun time i think i i am kind of i'm looking forward to showing this to my kids more at the end of this podcast than at the beginning i do think Um, as kind of an introduction to surrealist movie making um, and just how bizarre it can be, but how, you know, deep it can be, you know, how it can be controversial and maybe that's okay. Maybe it's okay to, you know, ruffle feathers and to be have your feathers ruffled and as kind of an introduction to, yeah, a a, a difficult movie to watch and a difficult movie to discuss, but a movie that sparks that discussion, like that there's value to that. Um, I kind of do look forward to maybe sitting down with my older kids, you know, 17, 18, like I said, and I, yeah, I, I I kind of do look forward to that now, especially if they are with a more, you know, know, intellectually bent or like they're kind of deep thinkers. I would love to like throw this at them and prepare them for it, but then also talk it over with them. I'm kind of looking forward to that.
0: Anything final to say, Mike? I'm
2: vibing with all y'all. You're right. So, Just um,
3: vibing on
1: that
0: wave. Yeah. <laughs>
2: vibing
1: on the
0: wave. I, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, this is this is one that actually I've always wanted to talk about, and I was happy that we were able to get such a good, you know, big discussion out of it. Um, gives me great hope for the the rest of the chronological crows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, I will not be here for the next two episodes, but next week you will be fighting to the death in a sand pit. I will be glad to do it. That's right. Glad. It's Gladiator, guys. You'll be yeah. glad or something. <laughs> <Glad-y-> Ator? <laughs> or a hater. Cool. So it's hater. En- so enjoy Joaquin Phoenix perving on his sister and then Russell mm. Crowe kicking the shit out of him later. Mm. I can't wait to watch along with you guys and hear what that episode's going to sound like. Really pumped for it. But thank you guys for coming here to talk about Crowe in the ancient times, the biblical times. Uh, this was This was great. There's a crow um, for every time. How do you guys feel about recording uh, what might be one of the most controversial episodes of our show?
2: <laughs> I feel great. This was a fantastic, fantastic
0: episode. We did yeah. high level journalism, guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
3: hope people come up to me and, like, Dan, you really like that movie? I kind of look forward to that.
2: I, 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 I want yeah.
0: someone to come and, like, spit in my face. I want to get punched. <laughs> I want to get hugged. <laughs>
2: I feel seen for the first time.
0: (laughs) Same person. Yeah, Yeah, same person.
1: (laughs) I can't wait for the flood that'll happen.
0: Uh, Oh, God. We have to end this now. (laughs) (laughs) For all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Good night.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYFmovies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money please consider contributing and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movie.